Hi there, and a very warm welcome to Season 3, Episode 25 of People Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. Peace Soupers, thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is part one of my conversation with Dr. Annie Gascoigne. Annie's PhD research explored psychological flexibility and organisational flexibility. We'll explore that in much more detail in next week's episode. In this episode, we hear about Annie's fascinating career history. It's varied and spans radically different organisations. She talks about pivotal moments, like going back to uni, and how she found herself in the surprising position of embarking upon a PhD. Let's go over for a taster right now. Here, Annie talks about a key driver in her career. We were d- reflecting on what what was what were we going to do this year, and I said, you know, I've got to go out there and learn something new. I want to train. I want to, you know, absorb new information about how we can make organisations better. Because after all this time working with these variety of organisations, there's something that's a bit dysfunctional in all of them. No matter what we're trying to do to make our organizations work as well as possible there's something that isn't working either for the organizations or for the people within them annie's open reflections on her career are illuminating and highlight her values as i edited this episode i really noticed the values of service curiosity fun and courage have a listen and see which values you can spot People Soup is a community of people who are interested in behavioural science at work and how we can make it accessible, fun and useful for ourselves and each other. At work, behavioural science has the capacity to enhance our well-being, help us be the person we want to be more often, and provide us with perspectives to enable cooperation, collaboration and innovation. It was psychologist Abraham Maslow who said, A first-rate soup is more creative than a second-rate painting. And that was the inspiration for this podcast. More than ever, the world of work is a heady mix of people, behaviour, events and challenges. When the blend is right, it can be first rate. Behavioural science and psychology has a lot to offer in terms of recipes, ingredients, seasoning, spices and utensils. So welcome to People Soup, where we aim to nourish the mind and flourish at work. If you do enjoy the podcast, I'd love it if you would subscribe, rate and review it. Whatever platform you're on, it helps us amplify our voice and reach more people with stuff that could be useful. For now, get a brew on and have a listen to my chat with the wonderful Dr. Annie Gascoigne. Hey supers, here I am on a new platform, which I'll tell you about in the moment. But first of all, welcome Dr. Annie Gascoigne. Thanks very much, Ross and P-Supers. Hi. Very welcome. And the new platform we're using, you know I'm a bit of a geek, and I'm using something called Squadcast. So far, so good. The controls are really intuitive, and I think I'm liking it. How is it at your end, Danny? Yeah, I'm liking it. Really smooth. Uh, very friendly email instructions to get in there. And I'm particularly liking that it has labelled me sociable presenter. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so Annie you'll you'll be familiar that I've got a research department and they've been digging around in (laughs) into your past and history so I'm gonna I'm gonna present you with what they've come up with and let's see whether they've got anything right basically they're not the most reliable (laughs) 
It tells me here that Annie has over 20 years experience across a wide range of organizations doing stuff like working as an external consultant and coach, but also an internal manager of people, projects, operation, and change. And the types of organizations were multinational corporations through to startups, including financial services and charities. It sounds like you've got it all covered there. Wow. Yeah, it sort of feels like I've spanned quite a quite a wide uh, lot of organizations over those 20 years plus. Brilliant. <laughs> you transitioned into organizational psychology, and I'm sure we'll come back to that later. But your doctoral thesis explored organizational and psychological flexibility, mm. which gives you, for, from my perspective, gives you a real, wow, a real edge in the world of organizations and how how we can support organizations being being their best selves, if that doesn't sound too corny, but using using evidence-based practice. Yeah, that's that's exactly it for me. I, I think a lot of those 20 years were kind of winging it a bit, and that's not necessarily a terrible thing, but a, a lack of evidence about what works. And I really wanted to be more able to make decisions in the workplace that were better supported. Why am I doing this? Why, why am I getting my team to move forward in this direction? Do we have any uh, reason to suggest that this is actually going to work other than I've done it once before? <laughs> oh, love! I love that because I do think we get attached to things we've done before. Mm, yeah. It's that... It's that human thing of looking for a pattern. Well, this has worked before. Let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely. It makes us feel safe. It's such no normal, natural behavior. There's a, oh, this this worked for me. Uh, and so, sure, let's try it again without necessarily thinking about how well it might work in this context, in this situation with these people with at these times. Brilliant. And this is one of the primary reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast is to talk about organizational flexibility, because I think it's so important. So we'll come back to that in a moment. I've got a bit more data here. Oh, goodness. <laughs> you are also a visiting lecturer at the Institute of Management Studies, Goldsmiths, University of London, and you teach organizational behavior and health and assessment and selection courses there. On, on the MSc in Occupational Psychology program. Yeah, so it's it's the same program I did back in 2013. So when I transitioned out of my kind of consulting world, I did a master's at Goldsmiths. Yeah, that is, somehow, somehow I then landed myself doing a doctorate, <laughs> doctorate. and now uh, I've come out the other end and now I'm teaching back on the program that I started learning on. Mm, nice symmetry there. I do like a bit of symmetry in my in my workplace. <laughs> right, getting to the end of my research department's notes and there's a few more bits to cover. So personally, I really love working with you. We've been doing a little bit of work together, conversations about what could be. I always find you, it's such a joy to chat with you find just this source of energy, enthusiasm, and fun for me. I think there's a there's a resonance there, and I really love it. So thank you. Oh, that's such a lovely thing to say, Ross. I, I think I've, I feel the same about you, that there's a, an ease that uh, kind of encourages that playfulness. Mm, and, and who knows what the futures hold, but, mm. but P-Supers, we've got plans. We have. It's exciting. 
And I've got something here about your skills in dancing. <laughs> now, I have personal experience of this from, from a conference in Dublin last year, where we seemed to end off in, in a pub having a kind of dance-off between you and me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I think on a couple of evenings, I think uh, we, in the centre of town in Dublin, were kind of leading the way until the wee hours. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I think we managed to get quite an entourage of dancers at certain stages. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the conference itself, yeah, there was quite an interesting dance-off going on there. Mm, the, the, the final dramatic conference discotheque with full lights on blazing. <laughs> that was a delight, wasn't it? <laughs> but I do remember an incident with, with a trolley. We found a little kind of tea trolley and we were trying to recreate something. Well, in my head, we were trying to recreate something from a Kylie video <laughs> <laughs> with you on the trolley and me pushing. We were sober entirely, weren't we? <laughs> yes, we hadn't been drinking... Canadian maple leaf vodka. <laughs> Thank you, Jason Tucker. But no, I think we, I think we cut quite a dash. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. I do like to dance. I st actually, I started to swing dance in, in 2013. So I have done quite a lot of dancing over the years, but I've been really slack uh, with my swing dancing in the last year. Uh, and so these opportunities to cut a dash with you are uh, always a joy. Maybe at the other end of this, I need to get some skills in swing dancing. Mm, yeah, great. Then we could have some sort of side hustle going on. <gasps> Let's do that, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think, actually, I, I think dancing has a lot of relationship with psychological flexibility. The connecting with each other and with the music as kind of a valued behavior and a willingness to notice opportunities to improvise within that um and even even when there's some uncomfortable feelings that can come up in our dancing like oh what do i look like those passengers on our buses oh i'm not doing this right all of that kind of stuff uh and still dancing anyway for the joy of it i love what you've just done let's get that on a t-shirt <laughs> Dance with psychological flexibility, like everyone's watching, and be willing to experience that. <laughs> Not quite the pithy original, but yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe need to work on it a little bit, but um, hey, thank you. So how did my research department do? Yeah, I think, I think that's a pretty, pretty good job, actually. Yeah, I think you can congratulate them on that, Ross. I will. I'll pass it on later once I let them out of the covers. <laughs> I wonder if we could delve a little bit into your career. Mm. I wonder if you could expand on the evolution of your career, maybe reflecting on some significant moments. And I'm hoping one of those might be the moment when you thought, hmm, I'm going back to uni. Mm. So so talk me through where it started, whatever you f feel like sharing, really. Yeah, sure. Um, so I started my career as a management consultant. So I got myself miraculously on a graduate scheme, which was just so great, thrown in at the deep end with a bunch of other grads from all kinds of walks, you know, that didn't really matter what our background was. And 
it was it was a great experience, the graduate program, and then we would be sent off around the world on projects. Well, a lot of people got sent around the world. My first project was in Milton Keynes, which, you know, not quite so glamorous. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but there was a, a lovely attitude in the organisation to trust. So they very much trusted us as as individuals to f- connect with each other, to be in teams, uh, you know, straight away. So people that I'd never met before, I would now be pretty much living with for six months on a project. And we had to find our way and make things work. And it was very much thrown in the deep end. And what I really loved about that was that ability to connect, how well we were supported in that kind of sense of trust and really about the learning as well, really supporting each other, but also an expectation that we could figure things out for ourselves. So some really great stuff in the early years of, of being there. And um, I got to, I, I did get to travel beyond Milton Keynes. Uh, I, I worked in North Carolina for a while. I spent a bit of time in in Johannesburg in South Africa. I was in Edinburgh for a year and I, I do love Edinburgh. Um, mm. And so, yeah, great experiences. But the 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 environment changed quite a bit, and clients started wanting individuals rather than project teams. So I'd find myself kind of stuck out in Slough by myself, without that kind of connection. Still, you know, the organisation was trusting me that I'd you know, kind of you've got this, you can do this by yourself, but none of that real sense of connection and support, and. I guess there was some confidence building that stuff that I'd learned I could now do by myself. But then there wasn't that sense of learning from others uh, that I think I, you know, I really thrive from not only contributing, but learning myself and, and using my learning to then contribute. It's kind of a nice virtuous circle. Um, and I was feeling a bit of a lack of that. Yeah, and that kind of stuck out there by myself with clients, not so fun. Mm. And I decided maybe it was time to change. And so I then um, I, I decided to go internal within an organisation so that I wouldn't be kind of thrown out by myself, that I would be you know, being able to belong to a team again. Um, so I was working out in Canary Wharf. And yeah, some really interesting contrasts there. So less of that uh, kind of throwing us in at the deep end to to find our way to thrive together but a lot more of uh trying to figure out how to move the juggernaut it's such a massive organization and so fascinating seeing how hard it is to shift a massive organization how to help it to change but once it's going in the its new direction oh my goodness you know step out the way or you know or join in full wholeheartedly because it, this is the direction it's going in. And that was a fascinating experience to be part of that. But I think I kind of lost a bit of connection with myself and what mattered to me during that. It was all about doing what the juggernaut was doing for good, bad, right, wrong. It's not even the words, but for their ends. And I wasn't finding a way to connect with myself. And I decided to do something really quite different. So... I went and helped a friend with a startup business. So having worked at this organization where there were over 400,000 people uh, globally, I went and sat with my friend in her living room every day 
with her startup business, um, working on with online. Uh, it was an online retail doing high end, lovely bathroom linens and accessories, uh, and just absolutely wonderful stuff. Not really my bag. I'm not really in in terms of interior design. I look around my flat um, and slightly uh, <laughs> cringe or something. But I loved being part of the business and I loved helping my friend pursue something that was really uh, what she wanted to be doing. And now here we are 10, 15 years on from that and she's thriving and it's quite a different business from what it was then. But it was such a fascinating thing to be part of those early days, setting up warehousing, organising shipping containers from China, from Turkey, just a completely different experience than working in financial services, really hands-on, picking up the phone and talking to people about uh, how to hang their shower curtains and things like that. And then after a year of doing that, I then helped another friend with her startup business, this time in Florida, a bit of sunshine Mm -hmm. down in Key West. Uh, She had an organic cafe that she'd just set up. Um, So I went to help her with the business side of that, helping her figure out the operations, the costing. Again, a bit of not not so much shipping, but sorting out the lorries coming, getting the orders in. Was it telephonic, um, moving these lorries around, or were you there in high vis with... (laughs) Paddles. No, more more placing the orders. But then, then the lorries would come in and it'd be four o'clock on a Monday morning uh, and in would come this massive great lorry outside our little our little store. And uh, so we'd have to unpack all the boxes and uh, wow. check them off. Uh, it was really um, sort of hands-on. There was me thinking I was going to help turn this one, st- one cafe store into a, a kind of across America kind of vision. Um, and instead, I did a lot of hands-on. I, I, I learned to make some really good coffee, smoothies, doing the juggling of serving customers while making things and answering the phones to people with their deliveries, peddling around Key West to do deliveries myself. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't know this about about your job history. This is fascinating because I do see those values of between our connection, which is relatively recent over the last year-ish, mm. but I see that supportiveness as a value from you. Yeah, very much so. Um, I really care about helping people pursuing what matters to them. And I think probably early days, I would get a bit lost in that myself, forgetting to connect with what matters to me while helping other people. And I think that's Mm. something that I've come to learn more recently. But I get such a kick out of helping others. That bit comes quite naturally I guess that that mm. that's that's what excites me mm. great so so please carry on so we yeah. we're at the entrepreneur years yeah it's, it's quite funny going back over this um exploring it with you so there's a bit of a challenge with working with startups at that stage and that's a financial challenge Ross so um connecting with what matters to me there was also <laughs> a, a need to to live and working in the cafe some, sometimes it was easy to think, oh, well, I can feed myself here quite easily just by feeding myself the smoothie. So sometimes not noticing what was going on in my own bank account, but really uh, it was getting a little dire. So I needed to do something to help myself. 
and it meant uh, the the decision to come home made much more sense. Um, again, that business has been doing so well. I'm so still very close friends with my friend in, in uh, Key West. They're going through some really challenging times at the moment, as so many are with coronavirus and having to deal with that as in the hospitality world uh, is tough. But it's just been so brilliant with both of those friends. Balaneum is the bathroom linens and birth bathroom uh, business and uh, date and time time with a thy that's time uh, is the is the uh, cafe in Key West. We'll we'll get the links on the on the show notes for this episode so we can give a bit of a shout out to to those two businesses. Mm, thank you, Ross. Yeah, so I came back to the UK. I did a, a little bit of work. Somehow got myself a marketing gig uh, for a bit, um, playing with the data. Uh, I, so it turned out that I'm a bit of a data geek, Ross, uh, which is a bit strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I During my consulting years and financial services years, I, uh, I was supposed to be sort of helping with process redesign and those sorts of projects, but found myself playing in the systems quite a lot and digging in the data. And then with the small businesses, really trying to help them to see what their financial system situation was and projections so I find myself playing in Excel and access and creating lots of macros and creating all of this lovely stuff so charts and anyway got quite excited about the data so I found myself in the marketing gig back here playing with data creating nice reports but then I landed a job back in my old financial services firm they pay a bit more money, Ross. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and right at that time, that was a priority. And there was also that thing they were they were having a challenge with a particular project, and if, for me, I it was really quite straightforward to land back in there and be able to help them straight away. Uh, so it wasn't just all about me and the my bank account, but also that ability to to serve again that how can I help my friends and colleagues so a lot of them were people I worked with before yeah it was it was a way to you know reconnect with that um so that was great and I did that for a year uh and a bunch of colleagues from that same company had moved to uh, a different financial organization and they had new project kicking off and so I moved to them for about 18 months and that was an interesting gig because that led to me working from home mm. because they were mostly based in the US and yet a bit of their business was in Europe, Middle East and Africa um, and they really wanted a presence on the ground in this region. And I say this region, although most of my work ended up being in the Middle East. So I was on the phone with the Middle East and a few trips out to Dubai, which was very nice. Yeah, uh, but very, very similar work to what I'd done before. But I also learned to work from home and what worked for me around that and to connect with my community. So I've been living in my area of London for what's now 18 years. So it's, what's it about? 15-ish years back then. Um, mm. And I started working in my local coffee shop every morning. Before US would come online, I'd go there and spend my, my time tapping away. Um, and I got to know lots of people, all of the staff in the coffee shop, but also a lot of the community around me who were doing the same thing. There was something really wonderful. Finally, after years of living in the area, 
being able to walk up and down the street and know people by name and everybody saying hi to each other and chatting and something really lovely, wonderful about what a shift to working from home can can mean. Wow, that's uh, obviously you live in London and that's that feels quite unusual for for London to me that sense of community. Well, absolutely that it took it took whatever that was 10 15 years to to really feel that. But it's yeah, really uh, a wonderful thing that maybe something useful for people to reflect on as we're used getting used to working from home now and mm. realize that we can't really go to our coffee shops so much at the moment, but but there's yeah, there are interesting things that can come from uh, our, our changing circumstances. Mm, I like that you're you're illustrating for us that there are possibilities that could could come from this. Mm. I mean, our coffees would have to be virtual, mm. but <laughs> as we're finding, there's all sorts of platforms out there to to do this. A bewildering away array of platforms. I'm loving that you're uh, doing the experimental one today. I, I I think it's cool to just see how these different platforms work. That's very nice. It's mm. great. And I quite like that they've got an, uh, they're really focused on podcasting. So it's a really kind of niche platform, mm. but obviously they're honing in on the quality of the sound, but we can still see each other, which is a win. It's great. Love seeing your face, Ross. Oh, sociable <laughs> presenter. Thank you. <laughs> so, so what what next? What what happened next? This is this is quite gripping. Mm, right. So, there I am in my working from home mode. Right, let me just get yep, the picture. Yep, yep. Right, I'm there. And I, I found I had some time to read. I was getting really trying to teach myself new stuff because having learned so much working with these startups, now I was back doing stuff that was really familiar and I was good at it and that was great feeling, but I needed to learn and I was going to talks and I was reading and listening to podcasts or whatever was going on back in the day um i think uh, it was the, the radiogram yeah or the wireless <laughs> that's no that's no um reflection on your age it's just me trying to be funny <laughs> i think it felt like that back in the day though um yeah and i so i noticed this thing in me this desire to learn and new year's eve friend and i had you know had uh, she'd come over and we'd uh, put the world to rights o- over new year and in the morning with our hangovers and cups, cups of tea we were d- reflecting on what what was what were we going to do this year and i said you know i've got to go out there and learn something new i want to train i want to you know absorb new information about how we can make organizations better because after all this time working with these variety of organizations there's something that's a bit dysfunctional in all of them no matter what we're trying to do to make our organizations work as well as possible there's something that isn't working either for the organizations or for the people within them and this was a bit of a light bulb moment, I think. You know, just being in the dysfunction is one thing, but stepping back and saying, but what can I do differently? Who can help me with this was quite another. And so from that hungover 
New Year's Day conversation, I started to dig around for who on earth can teach me on a course properly like immerse myself in how we can make decisions better, how we can behave better in the workplace. And it took a while, but it's I suddenly realized that maybe psychologists know something about behavior, Ross. Mm. Um, And it turned out that there's this course (laughs) that you can do about psychology of the workplace. And this was a bit of a revelation. Uh, And I realized that I was possibly qualified enough to get myself on a master's course. And I say this with such incredulity that why would anybody, why would anybody allow me on a course in the psychology (laughs) of the workplace? Um, And I know on this podcast, some pea supers will be familiar with passengers on the bus. Those those thoughts that pop up that sometimes are sometimes are helpful, sometimes not so much. Um, mm. And my passengers were telling me I I hated my undergrad uh, course. I ended up with a two two, and just about <laughs> and so thought, oh, who on earth is going to allow me to do a master's in uh, psychology but actually it turned out that goldsmiths wanted me um and ta-da! i found myself doing my master's but it was really a, that that pivotal moment was okay i need to step out of being in this habitual rut I'm I'm doing stuff that just about works for me, but it doesn't really work in the long term. It works in the immediate term of getting me through the day, but it's not helping in the bigger picture of how can I help myself and organisations over the long term. I think think you describe something that a lot of people might feel in their career. That feels very familiar to me. In my case, it was an itch that I scratched – for a long time mm. before actually taking a leap and finding my way out. And what was your undergrad in, Annie? It was business ed, um, business management and languages. Uh, it was I was trying to do something pretty broad because I had no idea what I wanted to do with life. So something around business seemed to make sense because – Inevitably, most of us work in some form of business, and I enjoyed French, uh, and so that made sense. I'd done a bit of German, so decided to pick that up again, and randomly started doing some Japanese while I was at uni as well. So those were my languages. I dropped the German and Japanese <laughs> after not very long. Uh, so I, I, I really, I graduated with French rather than the others, but uh, the mm-hmm. German and Japanese popped up along the way. So take me back to your first day at Goldsmiths. Mm. You went to those hallowed corridors, <laughs> which always, always, I have this, I have this view of Goldsmiths that it's kind of a little bit like the kids from Fame, because you have, <laughs> because you have. The people doing more arts-based courses as well, like music, performance, stuff. And then you've got psychology, and it just got that little vibe about it in my head that people might just start jamming in the coffee shop <laughs> in leg warmers. I am disappointed to say that I've not 
seen a leg warmer <laughs> jam in the corridors. Um, but there, there can be a bit of that vibe. There's a lovely diversity about goldsmiths. Yeah, how how, how people express themselves, uh, such different styles. It, it feels like uh, that... It, yeah, it encourages an experimentalness. Be who you are. That kind of mm. um, that feeling. Uh, and I think actually the department that I'm in, the Institute of Management Studies, we're a bit of the we're, we're a little bit more sensible uh, mm. <laughs> uh, mm. compared to a lot of uh, the, the rest of the the, the college. S- slightly, slightly squarer cousins. <laughs> nice, nice. The sort of the sort of geeks that observe this tomfoolery. <laughs> Yes, and analyze it in a psychological kind of way. <laughs> yeah. So, so what was day one like? Well, there was there was a pre day one uh, pub session, pub session, uh, drink session on uh, on the terrace, which was very very nice. Um, so I remember standing on the terrace and having a nice view across London over a few drinks, and and actually talking with uh, Joe Lloyd, who's uh, head of the uh, Institute of Management Studies at Goldsmiths um, and having a chat with her and she on that first night was giving me a little nudge saying yeah you'll end up doing a doctorate after this Um, I just thought that was the daftest thing because there's me already with the full imposter syndrome of how on earth did I manage Mm. to wangle my way onto this master's course and she's already hinting at ideas of doctorates so uh, I quite like having that memory that that's still rocking around in my mind given where I got to but the first day day sitting in my first lecture would have been organizational behavior and health with Joe teaching Mm quite a big classroom of students, uh, quite a nice uh, size mix. There was me and one other who felt like we were perhaps the oldies, so a bit older than others on the on the programme. And that was interesting to notice. But actually, it was, there was something fascinating that being back at uni at, at my ripe old age, and that was really the joy of learning from others no matter what age people are at. So it wasn't about, oh, look, I know everything now because I'm 20, 15, 20 years older than most of you. It was much more about, wow, they've got they've got some brilliant skills and knowledge and ideas and energy that I, I admire and want. <laughs> um, mm. So those first assignments, which I found quite challenging of trying to get, trying to get how on earth is it that academics want me to write? There seems to be a different style. You know, it's, it's a bit different to writing a white paper in, in, in an organisation, which was quite unusual that anybody did that, but I, I did because geek. Um, yeah, it's just a really different style. Referencing, uh, actually mm. you know, referring to others and finding evidence for supporting my arguments yeah, that was just a different way of looking at it. And so many of the the younger students, some had just done their undergrad in the last few years. The, these were skills that they'd been honing really recently. And there was so much to learn from them. And, and around stats, we did statistics. So as much as I was a bit of a data geek, that's mm. more around Excel formula and, you know, digging in the back end of access databases. But it's not, it wasn't with any statistical rigor so learning stats from scratch for my masters was really hard going and forming a bit of a gang a little group with some of the other um, master's students helping each other 
it was just such a lovely bonding experience. Um, mm. and, and I really, uh, I really appreciated that, that connection with wh- whoever we are, that we can help each other get through difficulties mm. and learn things. Here, here, And I think as a, as a fellow oldie who went back to do a master's, I've got the, the similar admiration and respect for, for my classmates whatever stage they were at in their career, everyone had something to give. And I think once you got over that or feeling like I was um, Mr. Shirovsky, <laughs> that's, another, that's another kids from fame reference. But, um, but once you got over that, you realize that everyone's got something to give. Some, some of them with, as you say, with the freshness of how to do references, how to do stats, different thinking about the workplace i think it makes it a richer experience and similarly we've got something to contribute to yeah because we've been there a bit yeah and some really brilliant bright students that who you know i'm excited to work with again um that i uh, you know it was easy enough to say oh i'd hire them any day but actually it's more maybe they would hire me uh you know now that they're offering their careers and it's it really feels like there's that mutual mutual piece Mm. to it so let's let's zip forward so you did a master's yeah and then when did you realize that this this chat with joe on a balcony where joe said Oh, you'll do you'll do a you'll do a PhD. When did you realise that was shit? That's happening. Yeah, it really was. It, it took me that much by surprise. <laughs> so I was writing my dissertation for my masters. So it was the the masters is a one year program, and it was probably around August, and the dissertation was due in in September. I think it's roughly those dates, and. I was. I had been putting off thinking about what would come next until after the dissertation was handed in. I'd worry about jobs and things then, but it was it was starting to get close, and so it was on my mind that I actually had no idea what was coming next. And I was kind of all right with it, but you know, it was there. It was that thought was floating, and an announcement came out at Goldsmith saying that there was an opportunity for a teaching bursary to do a PhD, which would mean for doing some tutoring and marking of assignments and and things like that for for other students, that the PhD would be covered, that the financial side of the PhD would be covered by Goldsmiths. I don't know. It made me think for a moment that maybe, well, that sounds interesting, but I had no idea what it would be about. What would I do a PhD on? But then I had a, a couple of people nudging me saying, are you going for this? Why aren't you going for this? Do this. And I thought, you know what? I'm, go- I'm going to try. I'm going to see and write a proposal about what I might do a PhD on. I, there was a deadline uh, and I'd actually given, I'd given myself a week respite from my dissertation I'd kind of managed my timing so that I'd have a week's respite and instead of respite I used that week to come up with a proposal about what I would do a PhD on and what I was thinking about was how we could use psychological flexibility what what we value as individuals and how we could align better with the organization and its values and so I put together this proposal on using theories around personal organizational fit. That's what I was kind of thinking it would be about. And I handed in that proposal and then I was invited to an interview. Ooh. What's going on? <laughs> this isn't supposed mm-hmm. to happen. Uh, so 
I think I handed in my dissertation maybe on a Friday, had the interview on the Monday, got a phone call later that day uh, to say that I was in. So um, it was it was just all so sudden that I went from um, handing in my dissertation to, oh my goodness, I seem to be <laughs> about to do a PhD. It took me by surprise as much as anybody else, I think. Wow. Lots of synchronous stuff going on there. Yes. It feels a lot like luck in a way that I was just landing miraculously in these places. But <laughs> but I've, I've come to see luck slightly differently. We are fortunate often in the environments that we find ourselves in, but there's also the environments we put ourselves in and noticing what is in those environments that gives us an opportunity that it's seeing things as opportunities so where that announcement about uh, teaching bursary might have just gone into my delete mm. folder having that kind of curious curiosity and courage to go that could be an interesting opportunity not holding it too tightly but just going okay let's see where this goes that i think is uh, something that's changed in me quite a lot, this more noticing, more looking for opportunities and more trying mm. to just grab them and seeing where they take me and um, being all right with it not being perfect. Lovely. And I think I'm going to pause there on your on your career because the PhD mm. is a topic we're going to delve into in a bit more detail. But the reason I want to pause, I want to ask you a little question, and it's about a song. <laughs> if you could have a song that would announce your arrival in a room or any location, and that includes virtual rooms, or maybe that's all there is now, what would that song be? This could be for the next few weeks. It's not forever. But when you say when you log on to this meeting, it would play a snippet of this song. The song that immediately springs to mind is Dancing in the Moonlight. Ah. It's such a delightful song that just makes me want to get up and dance and be playful and get everybody joining in together it i think that song came out in uh the year 2000 and i played the top it's by top loader uh well this it's a it's a um what's the word copy uh, cover. Cover, that's the fella. Uh, yeah, it's a cover. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, uh, yeah, I listened to their album on repeat, but this song, Endlessly, was when I was living in North Carolina and we'd get in the car in the morning and we'd play this and play it again and play it again. But it meant that we were coming to work in the morning uh, just nice. uh, bouncing. And it makes me want to be like a five-year-old treating a bed like a trampoline and jumping up and down on it. That's, that's nice. That's vibe. Nice. Now I would have a go at singing it, but um, I do know the song. But I just, how the hell does it start? I can, I kind of got this dancing in the moonlight. Everybody's feeling on a bright. It's such a vibe and magic. And then they're dancing in the moonlight. Wow! Wow! I the way. I was the backing vocals. I can't believe you've got me singing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, tricked you. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> P 
happy supers that's it in the bag i'd like to thank annie for being a fabulous guest and openly sharing her reflections tune in next week for part two where we delve into her research on organizational flexibility if you like this episode of the podcast could i invite you to share it with one other person i'm really keen to spread the behavioral science and skills with more people of course a subscription rating or review are also very much appreciated the show notes for this episode are at rossmackintosh.co.uk, and this includes links to a few different platforms. I love to hear from you, and you can get in touch on social media and also at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at peoplesouppod. On Instagram, at people.soup. And on Facebook, we are at peoplesouppod. Thanks to Andy Glenn for his spoon magic and to you for listening. Look after yourselves, peace supers, and bye for now. What we'll do in that segment is I'll just try and play it in the background so we've got a bit of how it could sound <laughs> as opposed to our, our little clip from the cover version. But I love that. I love the way it's quite evocative of a memory for you. Mm. Yes, definitely makes me want to get up and bounce. <laughs>